I get knocked down, but I get up again. You ain't never gonna keep me down. I get knocked up. Oh, not <laughs> not knocked up. <laughs> knocked up means pregnant, so I definitely didn't get knocked up. Um, I was just singing uh, the song by Chamba Wamba. I can't remember the name. I just know it's. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You ain't never gonna bring me down. I get knocked down. Anyway, uh, hello, hi, welcome. The name of the show is Politics. Although I call it Politics, and uh, my name is Presh. Uh, the title of this episode is undecided at this moment, but I'm thinking about something to do with Han Solo. Like just calling the episode Han Solo, perhaps Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, there's a book by... Fuck, I can't remember his name now. The guy who wrote um, Matilda and the BFG. Fuck, I can't remember his name right now, but uh, Roald Dahl, right? I was a big fan of Roald Dahl when I was younger. I have like a collection of his books. And uh, he has two autobiographies. One is Boy, telling about his, <laughs> his, life, his life when he was a boy. And the other one is... I think it's like riding solo or going solo or something like that, which is when he was in the army, you know, fighting during World War II. But uh, I haven't read those in a very long time, so don't quote me on that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so the reason uh, for that title is, unfortunately, I'm alone this week. Uh, my co-host, Auntie, passed away, and he's gone to Durban for the funeral. Um, my interactions with the... His auntie, you know, were very limited, but she always seemed like a very nice, sweet lady. So, R.I.P. to her. Uh, and you may be thinking, like, oh, well, isn't this, uh, what's the word? Like a big coincidence. Last week, Presh, you were making a big joke about death. And now, during the week, somebody you know died. Hmm. Isn't that, uh, you know, uh, there's this video of Chadwick Boseman, like uh, just after the press tour for the first Black Panther and he was really tired of, <laughs> you know, being made to do the pose and having to answer questions. And so somebody asked him, he's like, uh, when is the sequel or what are you going to do in the sequel? And he said, I'm not going to be in the sequel or something like that. And when he died, this girl that I knew from high school posted a thing that's like, you know, uh, the power of the tongue, as if though him saying that caused him to die, or, you know, uh, well, some could say I was making a joke, but I wasn't making a joke. Uh, I died last week, and my twin brother, you know, sacrificed himself so that I could live. I don't think that's a joke. I think that's a, a story of heroism. That's a, you know, but <laughs> anyway, um, I was wondering if I should do a commentary, but uh, I've been thinking about it. We've done too many commentaries in the past couple of weeks, you know, in the main feed. So I don't want to do that again. And I don't want to just do a regular episode because I I find those, it, it's more conversational. You know, I, I want to say what I think, then I want him to say what, you know, uh, respond to that, etc., etc. So I couldn't do a regular episode. So uh, I decided this is going to be a much more informal episode. 
there's no overall topic these are just like random thoughts i've been having which is why <laughs> i'm titling the the episode something solo because there's no like you know i'd usually title it the name of the movie that we're covering but <laughs> there's no movie this week so yeah uh okay so i didn't really write anything out because like i said it's informal <laughs> but i did like write some headings uh the first thing i want to talk about or the first person i want to talk about is vivek you're thinking to yourself who is vivek well uh he's an indian guy who is running for the republican nomination for president and he's definitely not going to win as i've been uh, you know saying in the past couple of weeks that uh, you know ron desantis chris christie um mike pence all these idiots they're not going to win right Trump is if not 100% extremely extremely likely to win the nomination but these guys are they're not campaigning to become president they're campaigning to get noticed by Donald Trump so he can pick them as the as his uh, vice president right and i think that's especially the angle Vivek is going for it's very similar to Pete Buttigieg right If you don't follow American politics uh, this may just seem like gibberish to you but uh, there was a guy his name is Pete and uh, just the way that the primaries work in America it's very very deranged right so instead of having just one day where everybody goes to vote they have it's like a staggered kind of thing so they have an event in Iowa and then the winners like the winner of Iowa is decided there then they go to Nevada and the winners decide they and they go like state by state until like later on they do like three states by three states and it's very bad because like say you have a candidate that you like but they don't get a lot of votes in Iowa and Nevada and they drop out so now when it comes to your chance to vote you can't vote for the person that you wanted because you know <laughs> they don't get enough momentum to stay in the race uh, so the early primaries carry a lot more weight than the later ones so what pete burgeage did in the 2020 election is he went very hard in the first couple of you know events so that his name could be in the picture and then later on he leveraged that to become the transportation secretary under joe biden so you know because uh this guy was a mayor of a small town so you know he doesn't really have experience uh, of working like at the government level you know he's very like small time and he you know so him managing to become the transportation secretary secretary was a big coup right and i think vivek is doing something similar for for trump or you know that being said he's uh, a hindu right which uh, the the christians in america view as like a demonic <laughs> a demonic religion um essentially whatever you see in the movie Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that's what <laughs> that's what Christians think uh, Hindus are so you know he he has an uphill battle but uh he the reason why, why I want to speak about him is that certain people may find what he's saying to be uh reasonable when it's definitely not right uh okay so the first time i heard about this guy was in 
South Asian masculinity. It's a uh, a subreddit on well, <laughs> Reddit, right? And uh, I clicked off, clicked on that because you know I'm of South Asian descent, and uh, of course I'm a very muscular, manly man for men. And uh, <laughs> so what? So what are you saying? You know I don't have muscles. So uh, you know uh, I'm. So what are you saying? I'm ninety percent flab and. Uh, the other 10% fat, is that what you're saying? All right, well, fuck you, you know, I'm a muscly man. You don't know, I'm not saying I have the most muscles in the world, but I, I have a few muscles, you know? But <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on from here, right? Um, that subreddit is 99 posts, no, 99% posts of like guys saying, uh, you know, they, they're complaining that girls don't like them or like, they approached the girl and she didn't like it and they they're blaming it on the fact that they're south asian or of south asian descent i'm just going to say indian right that the the fact that they're indian so i don't want to be there because <laughs> i'm not trying to be uh dragged into that like loser mentality sorry gang but because uh, you know it's pretty sad right you can't blame someone for not liking you 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 know if your approach isn't working you need to improve your skill set you know you can't blame like uh like uh, this girl is looking for certain things and you just don't have those certain things so you know you should work on yourself so you do have a clearly defined set of things you know <laughs> that you can sell yourself on but uh obviously i'm not a dating coach i you know kind of an idiot but uh, <laughs> so this guy vivek uh, the post I saw was from this guy who was like, this is going to be very good for South Asian representation, that he's going to be like, uh, you don't have a lot of Indians, you know, like on the world stage. And him, uh, well, <laughs> that post uh, thought he was going to become president, which like I've outlined, you know, very unlikely. Um, but yes, uh this we we've spoken about it many many times on the show but this is called liberal identity politics so what this means is if you share an identity or some characteristics with a person then you support them which is horribly horribly wrong if you remember a few uh, i don't know what episode it is but there's an episode where I said um, the MF. The MF is an Indian political party in South Africa. And when I was a child, my uh, I told the story that I went with my dad to go vote. Well, I wasn't voting. <laughs> he was voting. I was just going along, right? And I asked him, who are you voting for? And he said, the MF. And I asked him, why? And he said, because they're Indians, right? Which is, again, liberal identity politics. And my cousin said, or my co-host said, uh, you know, there's a certain logic to that. And I just let it go. I don't uh, turn to him and say, no, the fuck there isn't. You know, just because somebody shares an identity with you, it does not mean they share the same politics, uh, as evidenced by this guy Vivek, right? He's like a, a regular right-winger. You know, he believes in, like, lower taxes for the rich, uh, we need to stop government spending. Uh, private corporations will take care of it, you know. Just obviously, just uh, poison brain shit, right? 
but uh, uh, sorry there's so many things <laughs> this is the problem with not writing stuff down I'm just trying to think about the things I want to say right going back to the idea of Vivek being a positive representation of South Asian masculinity I don't think so at all right this guy is very cringe so he was doing a I can't I don't like a rally where he was rapping Eminem's lose yourself and again he just looked very cringe he looked like a loser he's doing he's actually having the opposite effect to make Indians look bad so you know that's the first thing I want to say the second thing is I actually I read his book I don't know why I read his book but uh, I just read it <laughs> right uh, it's called woke ink well he has a few books the one I read was woke ink I don't read the rest of his you know what's a filmography for books his bookography <laughs> um, yeah so his whole thing is like we need to go back to Milton Friedman the business just does the business operations right so businesses realize that uh, oh let me just go back so he tells the story of when he was at uh, the CEO of a medical corporation during this time there's a it was during 2020 with like a, the Black Lives Matter movement right and a lot of the um, the workers at his company were wondering like alright what are you gonna do to you know aid Black Lives Matter and he said we're gonna do nothing <laughs> right <laughs> because he's like um you know that's not a function of our business to uh, like help social organizations we're here to do a function which is like I can't remember he did something in medicine right and his argument was like well if we can get better medicine out there it will help you know black people in the long run but both what this guy and Milton Friedman to a, an extent didn't understand is that uh, people kind of that that's a form of advertising right so like if a company donates you know food and stuff or, or you know like goods to a charity they can use that as a, hey look at us we're doing you know good in the community which you know people will see that and they'll get good feelings towards their company and think to themselves oh I should buy from here because they're doing a lot of good but um, it's like somebody stabbed you, right? And you have like a big gaping wound. These companies giving charities like a small gift is like a, a plaster over that big stabbing, right? If these companies were taxed at a higher rate and the government, you know, used that money to help, you know, charities and uh, homeless people, that would be going to surgery and solving the stab in your body <laughs> right so uh, the point of it being companies use this token gesture as a way to gain favor in the market this idiot <laughs> doesn't realize that what his employees want is like a, a token gesture like 
these liberal idiots don't want to solve the problem, right? They don't want to have a reckoning with, do we need the police or not? And this is a worldwide thing. Uh, I've spoken about this many times before. Police aren't the way to fight crime, right? A lot of crime happens because people are poor. They, you know, rob people to not be poor. And uh, yeah, that's how crime happens. Well, that's one type of crime, which is robbery. But, you know, if you're robbing somebody and they like fight back, you may kill them, you know. Uh, But (laughs) I'm not trying to defend this. I'm just saying if they're in that position, if we set up a program that could help people, you know, that could like uh, train them so that they can get a proper job and they can contribute to society, uh, it would help benefit both them and society as opposed to paying police who go and, you know, beat up homeless people because they, you know, in front in the public and uh, it's a eyesore. So, yeah. Um, if liberals really wanted to solve the problem, they would, like I said, reckon with the police. But what these people wanted was a token gesture. Just say, all right, we're donating $10,000 to the Black Lives Matter organization, right? Uh, I've heard a lot of stories that the, not the movement of Black Lives Matter, but the, the person who set up that organization was a scammer and they just took that money that people were donating and ran away. But <laughs> that's neither here or there, right? Yeah, it could be any charity that uh, they donated to. They just wanted a token gesture and this dipshit doesn't see that these token gestures buys them a lot of publicity and good feelings in the community. Whereas, you know, like, if you're just focused on your business functions, which is good, uh, and by the way, I believe a business should just focus on their functions as well, because this free publicity of, you know, giving stuff to charities and stuff, like I said, I think that stops people from realizing the bad that corporations do because the, you know, it's stuff like this that covers that up. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) but anyway, uh, that book just highlighted what a dipshit this guy is. But I got the the sense that he actually cared about, you know, medicine and his bio company. But then, like, I I researched this guy, not from his own words in his book, but just independent sources. And, like, apparently that company went bust. And he, like, he took a lot of money out and then, like, ran away. And then the company went bust a few like months later. So he <laughs> he is also a scammer, <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless. So he's saying, uh, sorry, that was just background on him. But anyway, the things he, he's been saying is the first thing I heard he, him say, uh, like on the campaign trail, was he wants a a a test, right? That. If you want to vote in the election, everybody has to pass this test. And on its face, you may think, oh, well, that's pretty reasonable. You know, you have to demonstrate that you have a, uh, an understanding of issues before you can vote. But that's the, the pathway to, it's not even the pathway, that is voter suppression, right? 
it doesn't matter if the person is uneducated it doesn't matter if they are the stupidest person in the world they have a right to vote that's just a human right right <laughs> um in uh, well uh, i've only heard about brazil but i assume other countries do this they force you to vote like you're not allowed to not vote and if you don't vote they will give you a fine you know for not voting so that's how it should be everybody should vote uh because every everybody's voice matters not just if you're smart and can pass a test right it's and if it were in reverse i would never ever put it in test right even if it benefited my uh you know well i i don't have a party that represents me but you know if this test was beneficial towards my leanings it would still be incredibly wrong right it doesn't matter who's being suppressed voter suppression is wrong just across the board cuz like i said it's the and he is doing it deliberately to to benefit right wingers right it's uh yeah they actually have a lot of techniques to do this right so uh in the not in the national elections but in their uh like for the house representatives and stuff they can it's called gerrymandering that's where the term ger- gerrymandering you know came from so every 10 years the whoever is in charge of the senate redraws the map which means like it's called redistricting because people you know things get built people move so they have to like change with the times and uh they uh so what they can do is if they realize that like you know in one row of houses we have five democrats and one republican in the next row of houses we have five democrats and one republican if they took it as uh sorry and then that just carries on for like five rows right if they took each row and counted the votes the republican would lose every time right but instead they redistricted in such a way that the five republican houses become one block so they've managed to get one like a uh, voting block when theoretically they shouldn't at all because you know the majority of houses are all democrats but uh, you know <laughs> that's the the reason right wing parties do this right the the higher the vote uh, the higher the number of voters the higher the likeliness that a left wing party will be chosen which again just because things worked out better for me that's not why i'm saying this everybody has the like i said it's a human right everybody has the human right to vote it doesn't matter whether you think they're dumb whether you think this person has no understanding of the issues they have a right to vote that's just it <laughs> right the second thing uh, i've heard him say is he has a very aggressive uh deportation ah, sorry what's it called like a a policy against immigrants right he wants to like uh, if like a couple comes over and they have a baby in america 
generally that baby well not generally it is that that baby becomes an american citizen what he's saying is that baby is not an american citizen it's a citizen of whatever you know country the parents came from and that child would be treated as a citizen of a foreign country instead of an american which is bonkers <laughs> it's <laughs> So they're going to have to be classified as a citizen of a country they've never been to. You know, it's uh, it's very deranged. But uh, what happens is they're not allowed to vote, right? Because you're a, a person from another country. So again, voter suppression. All his ideas are just, let's suppress the votes, which, you know, should tell you something. But again, this is most right-wingers who have these beliefs. So... Why am I singling out this guy? Because, like I said, identity politics, right? Um, a few years ago, Rishi Sunak was, uh, he became the the Prime Minister of England. It, was it years ago? It was last year, I think. Fuck, I can't remember, right? But whenever he became Prime Minister, like my auntie, uh, actually, my co-host mother, she was like very proud and she was like, Oh my god, an Indian man is the um, Prime Minister of the UK. That's a big thing. And then, like, I scolded her. <laughs> I was like, no, this guy's a fucking right-wing bigot. Fuck him. Well, I didn't say in those words, but uh, that's the the idea that I was putting towards her, right? That this guy does nothing for poor Indian people, right? He's on the side of capital, Right? And that's what this whole thing is about. Just because somebody shares a skin color with you does not mean they have the same values as you, you know. Uh, you could argue that, uh, you know, because groups live together, like, uh, well, I'm just really thinking of South Africa because there's a, we had apartheid, so like Indians were in one, like, group black people like in one group colored people in a group white people in a group so there would be more shared values because all of these people lived like closer together right uh so it's very likely that somebody the people in your community have the same shared values but that's not a rule across the board right uh so i view vivek in the, a similar way that i view rishi sunak not only are they not good representations <laughs> they are bad representations you know um kamala harris she's she's half black she's half indian right but before she became president she was a lawyer who was a prosecutor she went after black, like uh, poor black people instead of you know charging uh, corporations uh, that are fucking over their workers you know she went after poor people and then like <laughs> when they're on the campaign uh she was saying like hey i'll do a lot of things for black people or whatever and it's like your entire career has shown that that's not the case that you are a piece of shit but yes so again i just need to stress how much identity politics disgusts me you can't be serious in politics if you believe in identity politics which is you know what liberals do but and the thing is if you're not a dipshit 
you can see the you can see the obvious counter to what you're doing so um do you know who ben shapiro well ah, i guess he's one right essentially right-wingers have found people of a certain identity that just exposes right-wing beliefs so for example ben shapiro is jewish uh candace owens is a black woman uh dave rubin is a gay man um I'm trying to think of other people but essentially they champion people of a certain identity and like uh, the democrats in america were like listen we need to listen to black women and then candace owen comes along and says hey i'm a black woman but she has a bunch of you know r- racist right-wing beliefs so <laughs> a person's skin color does not mean that they have good politics so you will never ever see me endorsing or supporting identity politics so yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else i forgot in terms of this vivek guy but uh, yeah it's very disheartening i wish there were more uh, visible socialist and left leaning no not let me not say left leaning explicitly leftist uh, indian people in the media that would be a good representation uh i'm not saying good as in that represents all indians i'm saying that would be a good role model that if you do believe in identity politics for you to latch on to you know but uh at least in this country i'm not sure like worldwide a lot of indian people are just right wingers like uh during apartheid indian people tried to like cozy up to white people but it's it's more like they try to cozy up to capital right it just so happens that uh in our racially segregated country at the time that the capital was with the white people so they are like you know trying to be right wingers and it's it's quite disgusting right i've so i've argued and uh, complained for many years since i've become aware of it but my parents are the worst of the worst of the worst and again you could be like how could you say this well i've told <laughs> i've told them this to their face right so you know earlier like i mentioned police are bad for the world <laughs> both my parents are police officers right which <laughs> and every time i've explained to them why police don't make a a difference in the world they're like oh well you know this is the job that paid for you to go to school or whatever it's like you can get any job <laughs> to pay for for school you, you know you don't have to be a police officer but anyway the next thing is they are landlords they bought like the small apartment that they um that they rent out so they're both cops and landlords it's disgusting it's uh it shows a lack of moral fiber it's uh you know again we i've mentioned landlords a lot they are exploiting the you know a person's need uh cuz everybody needs somewhere to live right and they jack up the prices so that you know like i read this thing uh the other day there's a subreddit called ask south africa 
and this guy said my landlord uh you know increased the rent by 3000 rand and uh <laughs> the comments were like well he's allowed to do it or you know uh comments like that supporting this piece of shit you know he's like uh he can get more money so he should be allowed to raise the rent and it's like no fuck you uh if you made um improvements to the house say you built a bri then you could be like all right um you've built a thing here on the property it, uh the value of the property's gone up uh you know i will pay more rent but you've done nothing you just uh, <laughs> you've just raised the rent because you can you know and again i just find that disgusting in germany you're like you allow to make money from the first two houses that you well you have a house that you live in then you have like if you have more than two houses that you own but you rent out from the third house onwards every single cent of that goes to the government you cannot profit in any way after the third one right i'm uh, sorry after the second one so that's still not good for me <laughs> because you allow to have two houses to landlord but you know it's a much better solution than what we have now you know um you see a lot of like wealth investment guides that are like yeah you should invest in property it's uh it's a short thing yeah it's a short thing because people need housing and you're taking advantage of uh what should be a human right you know um yeah and you're like okay how's it going to work uh without uh, landlords you know so the landlord doesn't build the house right the government can just hire you know building communities <laughs> building communities building uh and construction companies to build houses they you know at a very very low rate they rent it out to poor people and uh that's how we solve well partly solve the housing crisis also uh, you know added to this the the programs i spoke about about like uh, rehabilitating uh, homeless people you know getting them the like if they have some sort of you know mental illness like uh, help them get that under control and reintegrate them into society right there's a lot of like programs that go hand in hand to make the world a better place yeah but anyway Let's just see what the time is. Thirty-four minutes. I was hoping to get to one hour, but you know that was the first topic, so <laughs> you know I'm just talk a lot of bullshit. But uh, yeah, the next thing I wanted to talk about is Liverpool, and uh, I kind of underestimated us. The thing is, I was very <laughs> uh, not disappointed, just uh, underwhelmed by the signing of Endo. And I know, uh, well, I don't know if you listen to this podcast for like sport intake, so I don't know. Maybe I should keep this short, right? Endo is like a journeyman. He's twenty nine years old. He's not a flashy signing. I was hoping for a younger, like more mobile defensive midfielder. Endo is twenty nine, and uh, he's apparently like a workhorse. Endo would be an excellent, like, capper to a very like good window. The fact that he's been brought in as our first choice six, and apparently he didn't even play six at Stuttgart. He played eight, 
but he just has good offensive instincts. So, you know, I'm not, I wasn't, <laughs> I'm still not like happy with that, but we, it's a, it's a workable solution, right? What I was more worried about is our defense, right? Matip and Gomez, well, I believe Gomez can do a job at right back, even though <laughs> Pedro Neto killed him this weekend, but um, I believe Gomez can do a a good job at as the replacement right back. But we need more centre-backs because Konate, even, I believe Konate is our best defender, right? But he's very injury-prone. He's always, uh, you know, getting some muscular injury or whatever. Um, Van Dijk, I believe, is, you know, declining. Uh, ever since his, like, big knee injury that Pickford did, he hasn't been the same. So, yeah. And then Matchup. Matchup is just, he's been finished for the past, like, two, three years. It's, uh, you know, it's over. So, yes, we are in desperate need of a centre-back, but, and we didn't address that, so I was, you know, <laughs> I was a bit worried, but we have a youth player. His name is Jarrell Kwanza, who's done much better than I, I anticipated. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we have a plan that it's not just, you know, <laughs> trying to play matchup in Gomez. So uh, I'd like to see how Kwanzaa develops, you know, if he's good enough. I've only seen him in like two, three matches, which is not a big enough sample size to, to get a good impression. But based on what I've seen, he seems good. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to back him. Uh, I love when academy players break into the team. You know, Trent is obviously the big one, but Curtis Jones, right? Curtis Jones had this problem where he would hold on to the ball for far too long, where, like, someone would be making the run, but then he, he's held on the ball for so long that person's offside, and he's killed, like, the momentum of our attack. And I was very frustrated with him, and... I just didn't, uh, like, every time he came on, I'm like, what's this guy doing here, you know? Uh, but, so he had some sort of injury, and uh, when he came back, he just put his head down, worked a lot harder, and now he's in the team, well, he was in the team at the back end of last season, and he's had a few appearances this season. But that's precisely what you want, isn't it? Like, this guy wasn't good enough. He realized the deficiencies in his game, he worked hard on it, and now he came back. My friend also supports Liverpool, and he's like, uh, that's a bad thing. We're not going to sign a new midfielder if Curtis Jones is good. Well, it's, <laughs> well, we don't need to sign a new midfielder if Curtis Jones is good. We can just play Curtis Jones, you know. <laughs> and yeah, Kwanzaa will be the third uh, youth that's coming through from our academy. So good to see. Um uh, like I said, we don't know how it's going to end up, but uh, the initial signs look promising. Um, the next thing is the uh, Hassan Minaj. Do you know who that is? Well, I guess this, this episode is just turning into me attacking Indian people, and I didn't plan, <laughs> I didn't intend for this to happen, but uh, this is just how it's worked out, right? Um, 
So Hasan Minhaj was a correspondent on the Daily Show, um, and he is actually the the front runner to take over from Trevor Noah. I think they've been like they haven't been on the air because of their writers' strike. But when they come back, uh, Trevor Noah is not there anymore. So, well, <laughs> I don't watch the Daily Show, so I don't know. But anyway, the he the story came out this week in the New Yorker. Um, he he's lying in his okay. So he's a comedian, and in his act, he lied about a story. And generally, I don't have a problem with this. You know, a comedian's job is to you know make people laugh. We're not going there for like <laughs> an autobiographical tale. You know, like a comedian will say like. Oh, somebody was saying to me the other day, you know, to set up a joke when <laughs> definitely nobody told this, but the comedian about it, right? They they just found out about something and they had to fr- frame it in the thing. But anyway, Hassan Minhaj, he he's like known for incorporating his life into the comedy. So like he'll tell a story from his youth or something and... Uh, like connected to something that happened in the in the current day and there'd be a joke there somehow right but this uh, reporter found out that the things he's been talking about are lies and these are lies that you know are portrayed to make him look better like for example there's like um he said that he opened an envelope and there was a, a bunch of white powder on it and some of that white powder landed on his his child's face or his child's body and uh, he had to rush his child to the hospital uh, but and thankfully it wasn't anthrax and it wasn't you know something bad right and his uh, whole thing about it is that uh, you know uh, I'm a left winger and I've pissed off the right wing and the right winger attacking me and that story is not true <laughs> right Apparently, like, uh, there was some situation where, like, white powder fell out of something, and he thought, like, and that turned into the story that I just told. So, you know, it's kind of fucked up that you're telling the story about your child <laughs> going to the hospital when none of that happened. It's like you're trying to elicit sympathy for something that didn't happen, which, uh, I think that's kind of gross but uh, you know like I said most of the time I'm I'm fine with comedians lying to make a joke like there's a Dave Chappelle skit where he was like um, in a limo in the hood at the middle of the night and he said you saw a baby selling crack <laughs> which <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously not true, right? But it's it's uh, it's it's said in such a way that you you realize it's a joke. This guy is telling stories that you know he claims to be true, and if this reporter didn't like follow up on it, nobody would know that it was a it was bullshit. So yeah, very. I think it's gross. And this guy, Hassan Minaj, he's uh, always talking about Indian representation as well. So, you know, I'm tying it back into identity politics. Um, 
So yeah, that's the third story. The fourth is Oppenheimer hit 900 million this week, which I've mentioned it many times on the pod, but I don't think you understand how fucking mad that is, right? It's um, it's made more than every superhero movie this year, which <laughs> it's pretty mad, right? It's a three-hour biopic about a scientist, right? It's not like a brand like Marvel, DC. This movie made more money than Batman vs Superman. Think about that. <laughs> Batman and Superman are essentially a license to print money. You know, two of the most popular characters in not just comics, but like in pop culture in general. And that movie made like, I think 850 and Oppenheimer made 900. That's how, <laughs> that's how crazy this is, right? But I think this also, well, we spoke about it in the... I don't know what episode, maybe the Mission Impossible episode, where I was like, all right, Mission Impossible, Barbie, Oppenheimer, they representing three different things. Mission Impossible is uh, star power. Tom Cruise is the star. Um, the director, McHugh, he's, you know, not very well known. Uh, mm, then Barbie represents, uh, like, intellectual property that hasn't been overused in the same way like like how many Batman movies have we had in the last 20 years you know and like Batman adjacent stuff so like Joker Harley Quinn and the uh, Birds of Prey uh, you know Batman is just overused you can just wait like a year and there'll be a new Batman movie it's it's just (laughs) You can't get away from it. But this is the first live-action Barbie movie. So, underused intellectual property paired with an exciting new director in Greta Gerwig. That's the... That's what Barbie represented. And then the the third thing, which is Oppenheimer, is represents a well-known director. And the director has the, the scope and leverage to make whatever product project they want and uh, you know (laughs) I just feel the third option is much better it's uh, you know we this is how we got a boom of great movies in the 70s I've spoken about the the various eras of Hollywood right that like in the 1930s it was more like sorry like from the 1930s to like the 1970s it was more like star driven or either it would be star-driven or like the the studio like you'd be like oh this is a Warner Brothers picture or this is a whatever right you would go there to the movies for the actor you wouldn't what like know about the director until like Alfred Hitchcock it was probably the most like uh, famous director but that's because he did like public appearances and he was like very witty you know uh, but yes and then in the 70s you see a lot more power go to the director and (laughs) that's how Star Wars was made that's how The Godfather was made that's how (laughs) I could go on and on but I think 
the power should lie with the director instead of, you know, uh, with Bobby and Oper sorry, with Bobby and Mission Impossible. Um, so yes, and I'm glad that to see that this model is paying dividends, you know. Um, so it cost a hundred million, and usually double that for marketing. So costing two hundred and making nine hundred, really decent, <laughs> a decent chunk of change, you know. Um, and like I said, it's not based on an IP. It's just, yeah, I can't believe how well this has turned out for, you know, the movie going public in at large, I believe. Um, that's kind of all the thoughts I had. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I was going to say, I don't want to cover uh, horror movies. Because the big movie that's out this week in South Africa is uh, Talk To Me, which has been out in America and, you know, other places uh, for quite a while now. I think it came out in maybe June. But yeah, it's only come out in South Africa this week. So uh, I wanted to speak about it this week before my cousin got pulled away. But... Also, Spooktober is happening next month, so shouldn't we keep all the horror movies in Spooktober and then, you know, just do regular movies until then? But, unfortunately, there's not a lot of good movies <laughs> until then. Um, the other one that I'm very, very excited for comes out in a couple of days. It's called Past Lives which again, another one, I think this came out in like February in America, but it hasn't come out here yet. And I've been waiting for this for quite a while. I've only heard very, very good things from people I respect about this. It's like a a love story, which, uh, you know, uh, well, people don't really watch these types of movies anymore, you know, like a, a, dra a dramatic love story. The, but... Uh, and I think it's an A24 movie, which, uh, you know, carries uh, <laughs> uh, the air of prestige, obviously, because like I've mentioned, we mentioned it many times, but uh, probably the best, uh, uh, is it a studio? Whatever they are, the best uh, movie related uh, entity. Um, the other thing I wanted to watch is A Haunting in Venice. I'm a big fan of uh, detective movies in general. Like, mm, mm, I think I like sci-fi more, but detectives are very high on my list of things that I enjoy. That uh, So I use a service called Tracked.tv, T-R-A-K-T.tv, which um, it tracks the movies and TV shows that I've watched. The majority of, you know, people who watch film use uh, Letterboxd. Unfortunately, Letterboxd doesn't have TV shows. So that's why I use Tracked because it, uh, you know, <laughs> it has everything, right? So I have, uh, I made a list, well, two lists. The first list is Politrix, <laughs> which uh, it's a bunch of movies and TV shows which contain politics although I call it politics and then I made another list which is like a 
a spin-off called Detectrix, which is <laughs> detective movies that I, I really enjoyed. So I'm just going to run through, let's see, the first like 20. Yeah, those only, oh, I'm just going to go through it quickly, right? So the first one is Vertigo, which one of my favorite movies, right? So Alfred Hitchcock has a bunch of things that pop up in his uh, filmography. So the first thing is like the the icy blonde, right? Um, Kim Novak plays the blonde in this movie, but I really think Vertigo would be the undisputed number one movie of all time if that character was played by Grace Kelly. So if you don't know, Grace Kelly was probably the hottest woman in the world and she made three movies with that Alfred Hitchcock. The first one being Rio Window, the other one being Dial M for Murder, and I can't remember the third one. Oh, it's pro uh, To Catch a Thief, I'm pretty sure. But uh, nevertheless, she quits her acting job and gets married to some European prince, and that's why uh, Kim Novak got the part for Vertigo, which, uh, you know, I, I would say is unfortunate, but a lot of people love Kim no Novak in that movie. I just, uh, I just don't, <laughs> right? Um, it also, uh, like I said, there's a few things. So the first one is the icy blonde. The second one is voyeurism, right? He loves to make a movie about somebody viewing somebody else doing something so in this movie he's a detective and he's watching this woman you know go through her life <laughs> which um uh i actually want to speak about the second movie as well it's called rear window which has both the hallmarks or the hallmarks that i've mentioned so far of the icy blonde and the uh voyeurism so rear window is about this guy he he injured his leg so he is like looking at the people in the near apartment building and like kind of spying on them so once again voyeurism he's watching people while they you know go about their day and he's like uh, you know like uh, every house is like a different storyline and in one of the houses somebody gets murdered so this is actually one of my biggest fears well look alfred hitchcock made a bunch of horror movies but the scariest movie to me is rear window which uh i don't know if i mentioned this before but i never used to like horror movies like when i was a kid and up until like maybe when i was 23 <laughs> like this is my reasoning was i get scared and i don't like being scared so why would I watch a horror movie to make me feel scared? You know, that I just don't like it. But then, like, you know, like, as I got older, uh, like I said, it just, you realize, like, uh, this is all bullshit, man. Uh, the real scary thing is, like, the repo rate going up. Like, uh, if my car got uh, rep repossessed, uh, you know, I lose my apartment. Th those are genuinely scary things uh so yeah real life is more scarier than like a guy coming to stab you or whatever uh or well i was gonna spoil a movie uh, 
So in Heredity, right, it's not the most disturbing thing, but there's a scene where there's like a woman who's like suspended in midair and she's like cutting her head off and it's very fucked up. But that doesn't scare me as much as, you know, being sent to jail because I didn't fill in my taxes properly (laughs) or something like that. Adult concerns just uh, are far more worrying than some horror thing that's going on. But anyway, (laughs) the reason I'm setting that up is I believe Rear Window is one of the unintentionally scariest uh, things, right? Because you're getting spied on. And that's one of the, the worries I have, that like somebody's watching me and they, you know, they, they're seeing what I'm doing, which I'm not really doing, you know, much. <laughs> I'm just usually like at my computer doing stuff or like uh, I go to the shops, do some shopping. Like uh, I tutor kids on the weekend and uh, that's really it. You know, sometimes I go out in the evenings. Uh, but yeah, you wouldn't find much by spying on me. But having my privacy invaded is very upsetting to me. That's the the word, right? So rear window, unintentionally scariest fucking movie. Because, well, with the the advent of social media and people posting all the time. And, uh, you know, I think people have forgotten about privacy. Because, like, uh, my friends who are girls, they love to take, like, pictures and, like, uh, videos. And, like, I don't want to be in a picture. I don't want to be in a video. And they'll just do it. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Uh, You know, I have a reasonable expectation of privacy, you know? So society at large has just kind of forgotten about privacy. They've just, like... Well, anything can, you know, be online. They don't care, Um, which I think is a bad thing. Uh, But anyway, still going through this list. So those are the first two movies. The third one is called Mother. It's a Bong Joon-ho movie, which uh, it's... uh, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, somebody dies and they're trying to find the killer. Uh, the suspect is this <laughs> mentally challenged guy and his mother uh, is potentially protecting him so we don't know what happens but anyway it's a very fa- sorry the first three movies I've mentioned here are all tens they are you know <laughs> I'm, just, I'm going through the I'm going through the list from top to bottom the next thing I have is Basic Instinct, which a lot of people will disagree with me. They'll say, like, it's very raunchy and very... It's done in poor taste. But uh, this is Paul Verhoeven's take on Vertigo, I feel, right? It follows, like, a very similar premise. And uh, so in Vertigo, the detective that's following the lady, he suffers from Vertigo, which is when he's at a high height, he gets, like, dizzy. In Basic Instinct, uh, I can't remember what Michael Douglas is. I think he can't sleep. Like, he's suffering from insomnia. Uh, But whatever, right? He has some, like, deficiency. And then we have Sharon Stone as the the Hitchcock blonde. 
even though this is not a Hitchcock movie. And uh, I really think Sharon Stone makes the movie. It's a very tension-filled movie, and uh, yeah, I liked it so much. Like, I don't know, I just had a big smile on my face after I watched it. Uh, uh, people are going, going to not hate me. They're going to be very frustrated with the next sentence I'm going to say. I believe Basic Instinct is Paul Verhoeven's best movie, which, <laughs> you know, there's some people that are, their face is going red at the moment and they, they, they want to shout at somebody. But so Paul Verhoeven made Robocop, he made uh, Starship Troopers, he made uh, Total Recall. I think those are the three that people would put above Basic Instinct. But yeah, Basic Instinct is my favorite. Sorry if this offends. Uh, um, the next movie I have here is called Cure. Cure is, uh, again, another detective movie. It's about, there's like these supernatural killings happening. And there's this guy that the detective finds who can't remember, or he's pretending not to remember what happened. And, uh, you know, there's something wrong with the bodies that have been killed and the detective is trying to get to the bottom of it. <clears throat> this was directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who, you know, is the other Kurosawa <laughs> that people refer to him as, but another very fringe opinion. I like Kiyoshi Kurosawa more than uh, the main guy, Akira Kurosawa. So, yeah. <laughs> the next one is Decision to Leave, which I've spoken on the show many times about it. It's, uh, I feel it's Park Chan-wook's take on Vertigo, which, uh, <laughs> so, so far on this list, we have Vertigo, Basic Instinct, and Decision to Leave, which are, you know, riffs on Vertigo. So <laughs> you can see there's a very specific type of thing that I like. But anyway, it's, instead of an icy blonde, we have, like, uh, she's a Chinese woman, and this is a Korean movie, so she, uh, uh, she's also like I don't know emotionally detached she's also like that that Hitchcock archetype right Park Chan-wook is a big fan of Alfred Hitchcock but he said he wasn't thinking about Vertigo when he made this movie which seems unlikely because of the <laughs> so many hallmarks that are similar to Vertigo but uh, I'll take him at his word again all five of these movies 10 out of 10 right the next grouping is the first I think I have is Memories of Murder, which is Bong Joon-ho's best movie, in my opinion. All right. Uh, I already mentioned Mother. I'm not going in terms of, like, quality. These are all tens that I've mentioned so far. So they're not in any particular order. I feel similar to all of them. Just Memories of Murder, I think, is a better movie than Mother. It's... Uh, it's another, like, uh, it's the story of the first serial killer in Korea. It's uh, it's a person who was killing, like, a bunch of rural people. So uh, it also shows, like, the cops don't have proper training. Like, they'll walk over a crime scene and, you know, they'll walk over the the perpetrator's footprints and stuff like that. They contaminate the crime scene. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, very uh, 
it's a very well told movie it's very well shot it's uh, just genuinely a masterpiece and Bong Joon-ho is a very very good director and uh, to say this is his best movie is very high praise i feel but uh, anyway moving on and we have the big lebowski directed by the coen brothers which is uh, so if you're familiar with the like iconic image of a a detective with like a cigarette in his mouth and he is like uh, looking at the crime scene a few people have asked the question what if instead of a cigarette they had a freaking marijuana cigarette man i'm like hey i'm so freaking high man whoa <laughs> right so the big lebowski is uh, somebody like pissed on this guy's rug and he's trying to find the people who who did it and again i don't want to spoil anything but it's a very like it's comedic but it's also a very well told detective story um i saw this interview where the uh the coen brothers were speaking about the big lebowski and they were like uh well we were basing it on the novels of raymond chandler who's a if you don't read detective books he's like a titan in the in the detective genre there's a lot of people who you know draw from him and a lot of his movies were made in sorry a lot of his books were made into movies so yeah uh the next thing i have is chinatown which um i'm looking at it ah, there's an argument to be made that it's the best detective movie ever made and it's i like it so much this is the last 10 on my list right so 3 6 uh i have nine movies that are 10 out of 10 and chinatown is the last one it's it's genuinely so dark right uh all these movies are dark because it's obviously like there's a murder or there's something and they have to like investigate that murder well chinatown is the the bleakest and <laughs> like I don't want to it like it shows the 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 dark side of humanity like what do you think is the most fucked up thing that can happen and this movie shows it to you <laughs> so yeah very very good movie and the ending uh, that people speak about it's uh, a masterpiece of an ending a final line but obviously the the movie preceding that is pretty great as well anyway um well, i don't know if i should go through all of these we've just hit we just went our 6 minutes so i'm just going to pick a few right uh, the next one i have is seven which i watched a long well, not a long time ago like 2 years ago and it, you're kind of lucky i rewatched it last night and i'm actually going to bump it up to a 10 because wow i forgot what a great unbelievable movie this is it's a i currently have it as a 9 out of 10 but um every week on the show i've been speaking about blank check which is another podcast i listen to and uh they are currently going through the films of david fincher which uh i think it's unfortunate because i listen to that podcast to be exposed to movies i've never seen before so like uh 
I hadn't seen Edward from Tim Burton's uh, filmography, which I loved. Um, thinking what else? I hadn't seen uh, any of Elaine May's movies. I hadn't seen any of uh, what's it? Jane Campion, uh, Buster Keaton. Like uh, they've introduced me to a lot of oh Catherine Bigelow. And Avatar, <laughs> the reason uh, uh, I mentioned this in the Avatar episode, but I didn't watch Avatar when it came out. The reason I watched Avatar is because they did a mini series on James Cameron, and uh, yeah. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I've gone through Finch's filmography before this, so it's not introducing anything new to me. So, uh, I- I'm still gonna enjoy the the podcast, but it's just. Uh, not as uh, I wouldn't uh, it's <laughs> I'm just trying to say I've seen the movies before anyway the next one is Under the Silver Lake which is a uh, kind of a very very underrated movie one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years it's uh, <sighs> similar to the Big Lebowski right it's a uh, what if instead of a cigarette this guy was smoking weed man Ooh, it's freaking 420 man <laughs> and it's this guy who's looking for patterns all around him, right? So I don't know if I should spoil this, but essentially, okay. So there's a lot of guys like this, and to a very, very big extent. So it's a lot like me, right? I feel like there's patterns, you know, in the world. Like, uh, there's a lot of things that are coincidences, but there's a lot of other things that you may not realize they're connected, but they are connected. So this guy is a very similar person. He's very paranoid. He's very, you know, he thinks that there's some sort of conspiracy going on. And he starts finding uh, evidence about that conspiracy. And it's like, what if a conspiracy theorist had the biggest wish that everything they, you know, they thought was real that uh, they were told were fake, they thought it was real, it was actually real. Uh, And essentially the movie is about the fact that he's so wrapped up in these conspiracies, his life is ruined. Like uh, the final shot of the movie is him being evicted from his apartment and uh, he's like, he goes uh, next door to his uh, like neighbor's house to like sleep on her bed. because he doesn't have a house anymore. So I think it's kind of a <clears throat> a warning. Don't get so invested in conspiracies and stuff that you don't look after yourself. But on another layer, they did add in a lot of like codes, conspiracies that like, if you are that type of person that loves conspiracies, it, it like appeals to you. So yeah, I really loved Under the Silver Lake. Um, the next one I have here is Zodiac another David Fincher movie and I'm trying to think I think well I'm going to rewatch in a few weeks but I think it's my favorite David Fincher movie it's uh, it's obviously about the Zodiac killer and the investigation into finding him so there's not really much to say about it but 
an expertly told tale. Um, I'm trying to think. So it's not Alien Three. <laughs> that is his best movie. Uh, definitely not the game. Even though I feel the game is a very criminally underrated movie. Then he makes Panic Room, which also not the best movie. Benjamin Button definitely not. <laughs> then not Gone Girl, not the girl with the dragon tattoo, and then he makes Mank. So yeah, it's between Seven and Zodiac for you know his best movie in my opinion. But uh, you know, like I said, I'll rewatch in a few weeks and reevaluate. But uh, Zodiac is a fantastic movie. If you've never watched it, you know, watch it. Well, I'm recommending all of these because all of these are 9s and 10s. So, you know. Um, okay, I'll do two more. The next one I have here is The Kid Detective, which is, uh, if you are familiar with Ency- uh, Encyclopedia Brown, who's like a, a boy detective, but just, you know, like Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, just kid detectives in general right <laughs> so this guy he was a kid detective as the as the title implies and there was one case he could never solve and that kind of ruined his reputation and uh, he finds new evidence that kind of opens that case back up and uh, very similar to Chinatown it's an extremely extreme extremely dark movie uh, but yes, I, I like, <laughs> I like uh, you know, investigations like that. So um, the last movie I want to mention is, let me see now. Well, all of these I don't really want to talk about too much. Uh, I guess, yeah, Inherent Vice, which is the, the third in the, what if instead of a cigarette, it's a, a marijuana? Like, uh, you're getting freaking high, man. Well, yes. And in this movie, it's uh, Joaquin Phoenix playing a... He's a guy named Doc Sportello, who's just, like, constantly high. <laughs> Which, it's, it's very similar to The Big Lebowski and Under the Silver Lake, where this guy, he's a real odd, odd fellow. And... Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. So maybe check it out. Inherent Vice, even though I have this as a seven out of ten, I had to scroll down a bit because I don't like. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say about these other detective movies that I scroll past. But yeah. So yeah, I think uh, that should probably do it. We have one hour and fourteen minutes, which. Uh, I think that's a decent amount, you know. Oh, what you're saying, I should do a three-hour episode. Well, I could. (laughs) I talk a lot of bullshit, you know. Like I said, I didn't write any of this down. This is just me vamping off the top of my head. So hopefully this was a, you know, serviceable serviceable episode until my cousin comes back. Um, Yeah, I don't have... (laughs) Also, uh, you know, like in the doc that I have, I have the ending thing that's like, hey, listen to, rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't have a doc this week. Again, 
so um yeah please remember to rate review subscribe um give a like uh tell a friend um you can find all our stuff at paceipper.com p-a-i-c-i-p.com um also wanted to mention i've added the well i've mentioned this before but if you've never heard it i added the fantasy premier league i've created a league for the podcast so you know uh, I, there's a link on paceup.com that you can just click and you'll be automatically added to our league so you know if you're interested in that uh, you know come see if you can beat me <laughs> you know i'm uh, feeling good about the first couple of weeks uh, and yeah so i think uh, we're done here and uh, au revoir